What's up, everybody? This is Fred Ricciani of TSC News here with another retro review of Elimination Chamber. This time, we're going back to WWE Elimination Chamber 2011. This took place at the Oracle Arena, Oakland, California, home of the Golden State Warriors. February 20th, 2011, this was the final Elimination Chamber match of Adam Edge Copeland's career. And this would be the second to last pay-per-view match of Edge's career. Who knew? Crazy, right? This was a bumpy road to WrestleMania 27. A very bumpy road. Now, we'd find out a little bit later on that The Rock would be the guest host. It set up a huge money-making angle with John Cena. But outside of that, outside of The Undertaker having an incredible match with Triple H, WrestleMania 27 pretty much sucked. Thankfully... I am happy to report that EC 2011 did not suck whatsoever. In fact, the contrary occurred. It was awesome. So I dove in to this WWE Network Archive pay-per-view, and let's review the card right here. For trivia purposes, the dark match was Daniel Bryan defeating Ted DiBiase Jr. via submission to retain the United States Championship. Why this wasn't on the card, I don't know. This was during a weird time where WWE, frankly, did not know what to do with Daniel Bryan. They gave him the U.S. title in September of 2010. He had beaten The Miz, and he really didn't defend the title much on TV. In fact, at WrestleMania 27, they hyped him versus Sheamus on the card, and then they moved it to the pre-show. And at the time, they didn't have some YouTube or WWE Network kickoff show. He was just in a dark match that was a DVD extra. And that match between Sheamus and Daniel Bryan somehow turned into a battle royal, which the great Kali won. Yeah, outside of the fact that he was dating Brie Bell at the time, this was not a fun time for Daniel Bryan's career. But we had the opener here on the pay-per-view. Alberto Del Rio with Ricardo Rodriguez defeated Kofi Kingston via submission. Decent match, but those guys had wrestled each other 100 times. And this was en route to Alberto Del Rio challenging Edge for the world title at WrestleMania in the opener, which would have been Edge's last match. Although I think technically Edge had one final match, like a, a dark match or something, and a SmackDown taping. It was like a mixed tag or something. But as far as real matches that count, Edge versus Del Rio was Edge's last match. And Edge won. It was a good match. But it made zero sense at the time that Edge won. And Alberto Del Rio, who kept talking about destiny would not win his first WWE Championship until SummerSlam in August when he cashed in on CM Punk. But by that time, Del Rio had lost a ton of momentum. And then the next month, Del Rio lost the title to Cena. And then he won it again. And then he lost it to CM Punk and never held the WWE title again. Although they did try pushing him a few years later as world champion. And uh, that did not go so well. But at this time, Alberto Del Rio, he was hot. He was over, and he had all the momentum in the world from winning the Royal Rumble. He won the biggest Royal Rumble in history, 40 men. That was a fun Royal Rumble, which came down to Alberto and Santino Morella. Hey, stranger things have happened in WWE. We had our first Elimination Chamber match of the night. Edge successfully defended his world title against Rey Mysterio, Kane, Drew McIntyre, Big Show, and Wade Barrett. You want to know something weird? The previous week, on Friday Night SmackDown, 
Edge technically lost the world title. Vicky Guerrero, the SmackDown general manager, who is Edge's ex-wife in the storyline. It's, it's a long, it's a long story. A long story. She stripped Edge of the world title because a week or two before he had successfully defended the world title against Dolph Ziggler, but the referee was down, and the guy that made the three count was Clay Matthews of the Green Bay Packers, who were at the time the reigning Super Bowl champions. Weird? Yeah. So this led to Vicky somehow being justified to strip Edge of the world title. And then she awarded it to Dolph Ziggler. And what would be a long road of geekdom for Dolph Ziggler's geek career and storyline. So Dolph Ziggler got this world title, wrapped it around his waist, celebrated it. And then, as it turns out, Dolph Ziggler had to defend the title against Edge. And 11, 12 minutes later, Edge regained the world title. Dolph Ziggler was fired. And Edge is now an 11-time world champion. And Dolph's nowhere to be found here. 2011 was weird. Very weird. So Edge goes into this. Successfully defending his world title. The eliminations were as follows. Big Show pinned Wade Barrett. And they wonder why Wade Barrett never got over. Or Drew McIntyre. Maybe because they never fully pulled the trigger. Kane pinned the Big Show. Kane then pinned Drew McIntyre. Dear God. Edge then beat Kane. Thank God. And then Edge beat Rey Mysterio to retain the championship. Yeah. This was weird. But it was a pretty good match. And actually, if you guys want an underrated world title match to watch, which was pretty good, I would recommend Edge versus Kane versus Rey Mysterio versus Alberto Del Rio, a TLC match from December 2010. If you want to go back and, and watch that in the archives, that was pretty good. But yeah, that was a weirdly, weirdly booked Elimination Chamber match. I mean... Kane and Big Show reigning supreme. Yeah. We had the core, which were essentially the scraps of the Nexus faction, which featured Wade Barrett, Ezekiel Jackson. I almost said Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Jackson, uh, Heath Slater, and Justin Gabriel. This was the team of Heath Slater and Justin Gabriel, former tag team champions as part of the Nexus, regaining the tag titles by defeating Santino Morella and Vladimir Kozlov who were accompanied by Tamina Snuka, who at the time was Santino's love interest. Nothing match. Again, 2011 was weird. We had The Miz as WWE champion with his servant, his buddy, his lackey, Alex Riley. Yes, Alex Riley, who at one time had potential. They defeated Jerry Lawler, technically The Miz, but Alex Riley helped him. They, he defeated Jerry Lawler to retain the WWE championship this was a perfectly fine match, a technically sound match. Jerry Lawler finally got a world title shot, lost. It would have been nice to see Jerry Lawler win, then lose the title the next night. It just would have been a nice moment, but alas, it wasn't meant to be. And this led to The Miz facing the winner of this next match. And it led to Jerry Lawler facing Michael Cole at WrestleMania in one of the worst feuds of all time, one of the worst WrestleMania matches of all time. It's hard to explain here what happened in 2010, 2011. 
But I guess I guess somewhere along the way, Vince McMahon decided, you know what? I want to turn my main play-by-play guy, Michael Cole, who's pretty hated by fans, heel. Here's the problem. He never got a new play-by-play guy. So he kept Michael Cole as the heel and play-by-play guy. And what proceeded to happen was the worst commentary stretch imaginable for, I think, maybe a, a year, maybe more. I mean, my God, this was awful. And Michael Cole was the Mrs. Cheerleader. And just, ugh. I mean, there were some times where Michael Cole was was really funny. I mean, he even had, like, this barrier, this, like, literally a box, a glass box called the Coal Mine, where he would commentate in, in the background away from the other announcers, and that was kind of clever. But he just, ugh, was just bad. I, I, I still don't know why they did it. Maybe Vince just found it entertaining, but... My God, so many matches suffered because of it. He buried Daniel Bryan all the time. He kissed Miz's ass. It was just brutal. I'm sure there's going to be some kids someday going, you know what? Man, I loved Raw growing up when Michael Cole was a meanie. <laughs> no, this was horrible. Michael Cole made Raw unlistenable. And I feel bad for the guy because he's actually a, a damn good commentator. But he was doing what Vince McMahon was directing him to do. And that would be this irritating heel. And he was just horrible. Horrible. Ugh. I mean, it's hard to believe now because Michael Cole is commentating the UK tournament. He's commentating alongside Austin Aries and Corey Graves. He's great. He's doing a great job. But, man, at the time, ugh. Again, 2011 was weird. And at times, horrible. Ugh. And then we had John Cena defeat CM Punk, John Morrison, Sheamus, Randy Orton, and R-Truth in the main event in another Elimination Chamber match to earn a title shot at WrestleMania 27. The eliminations were as follows. Sheamus pinned R-Truth. CM Punk pinned Randy Orton, setting up their WrestleMania match, with which Randy Orton won. Good match. John Morrison pinned Sheamus. CM Punk pinned John Morrison. And John Cena pinned CM Punk which foreshadowed things to come with CM Punk dropping that pipe bomb promo later in the year. So it led to John Cena versus The Miz, which Miz won via help from The Rock at WrestleMania 27. It was a horrible main event, horribly booked. I also happen to think that it wasn't great because Miz suffered a concussion earlier in the match, but even if Miz didn't suffer that concussion, it was still just a a poorly laid out match, a very poorly laid out WrestleMania if you have the desire to go back and watch WrestleMania 27, please, please first watch Elimination Chamber 2011 because that was a much better event. And then if you're going to watch WrestleMania 27, only watch the segments with The Rock and watch Undertaker versus Triple H, which was incredible. So, folks, 2011, Elimination Chamber, not as strong as 2010, but still entertaining nonetheless. But I want to hear from you. What did you think about EC11? Were you there live? Did you order it at the time? Are you looking forward to going back in the archives and watching it? Let me know. Leave a comment below. Tweet us. Facebook us. Do what you got to do. If you enjoyed this video, please like, share, take care. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, enjoy the matches.